Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Reza- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where did you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am overjoyed about my guest today, whom you will meet in just a few moments. But just to uh, so you don't die of suspense, it's Grammy award winning and I'm sure other award winning musician Sarah Watkins. Um, but first, Tony Thaxton, my producer. Hello. This is now two weeks in a row where you have been present on the Monday show, just like in the old days, the old in-person pre-pandemic days. How does it feel? Feels good. It's been fun to, you know, get back in the groove. And as I said last week, hopefully, you know, I'm sure, I know we're still a little ways away from in-person, but, uh, you know, hopefully that's getting closer and closer. I feel like it, I feel like it'll be a matter of months, if not like just a month or two. Yeah. I hope. My whole studio situation is set up for Zoom now. Um, And also my pant situation is set up for Zoom. So there's going to need to be (laughs) some reconfiguring. Tony, have you felt left out of these shows? Because I never wanted to hurt you. It didn't hurt me. I, I, you know, I I have missed them. I'll be honest. I missed them. But, uh, you know, I I understand why I wasn't on most of them. Hmm. It's just this whole Zoom thing is just I still find it. Uh, kind of uncomfortable and awkward, yeah. honestly. I haven't it, gotten used to Zoom a year in. Yes. I feel like I, I feel like for the most part, it's going smoothly. But then every now and again, there'll be some kind of technical issue where I'm like, oh my God, I hate this. Yeah. It's not even the technical thing for me. It's just the, it's just not, it's still unnatural. It's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Tony, I have to give you an update a la the old days. You know, in the old days, I would give you the termite update, which uh-huh. for any new listeners, now the old listeners are going to want to throw their phone across the room because they're tired of hearing it. <laughs> but for any new listeners, here's the deal. Potential termite problem in the studio. I was given a quote of like a couple thousand dollars to tent the whole place. And I said, no, I'm going to do it myself. I'm not a particularly resourceful or enterprising. That's not true. I think I kind of am. But I'm not really like a handy person. But uh, I think I took care of the termite problem myself by spraying some insecticide in their holes. Now, I haven't checked in a while. But, okay, so update to that whole situation, Tony. And this is a, this is going to be disgusting. If you're eating something, put it down. Um, but just put it to the side. It'll be okay. <laughs> I don't know if you saw on my Instagram, Tony, I posted a photo of a little critter in my bathroom, particularly a slug hanging out on one of my bathroom drawers. Ooh, I guess uh, I should start following you, I guess. 
No, that was a joke. I follow you. I Excuse follow me? You. I, Excuse <laughs> me? I didn't I invite you, you back for this kind of abuse. Anyway, yeah. It I, did, was, I did not see it, though. In, in all sincerity, I, I missed that. I did not wow. see it yet. Really, it was practically went viral. <laughs> but I guess it missed you. It was almost like a Disney-looking slug. Very fat, very as cute as a slug can be, which to me is not particularly cute. So um, Daniel and I uh, carried it outside. We did not smush it or anything, but I did lose considerable sleep. And the little bit of sanity that I've managed to hang on to, I felt it slipping away because what is a slug doing in my bathroom? Our bathroom. We decided it must have come in on Wendy's paw or something. And then wow. a few days. It's the only thing that made sense. A yeah, few I was days. Say, I don't think I've ever seen a slug indoors. I know. We even have a. um, What's the word for someone who kills exterminator listener? Who was like asking a lot of questions because he didn't understand how it got indoors. And when you stump your exterminator listeners. You know something's really going on. So anyway, cut to, you know, six or seven days later, and I'm sitting on the toilet. Yes, sometimes I do that. I know, I know I seem ethereal and otherworldly, but look, I'm just like you. Sitting this is on the a toilet. Real peek behind the curtain. <laughs> As if I don't talk about farts like six times in every episode, if not more. Um, sitting on the toilet. And I, what should catch my eye across the bathroom in the corner beneath the cabinet, but a small slug, another one, mm. a relative of the original one. I don't know. It was definitely smaller. So now it's not just a, a rare occurrence. It's like, what is going on? Are we, did, did someone build this house on top of a slug burial ground? <laughs> That's, yep. I think you figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Are they seeking revenge? Um, so, and by, I know, I know it sounds like from this story, it sounds like I live in some kind of condemned pigsty. It's actually, Tony, you've been here. It's a nice house, right? It is. Mm hmm. It's not a condemned pig pigsty. It's, it's cluttery. It's, a, it's just a plain old pigsty. It's no, cluttered. No, no, no. It's not. It's, it's, I, it's nice. not. Other than this, the picture. I mean, other than this story, I would not say it's particularly grotesque. No, not at all. It's it's not grotesque. No, it's the opposite. It is no tesk. It's <laughs> it's no tesk. Thank you. <laughs> There's nothing no tesk about it. But anyway, I got on my hands and knees, and it turns out beneath the counter like where it meets the wall there's just a big gap that i had never noticed because why would i particularly look in that area so there is just a big gap and i don't i can't see where it goes just into like the darkness so i sprayed a bunch of insect i'm s sorry i feel bad for the slug family that i might have slaughtered but i sprayed a bunch of insecticide in there just like i did with the termites and uh no slug since then do you have like some triumphant drop you could play? Uh, it's exactly, exactly why I keep you around. <laughs> so anyway, that's the story. Upon retelling it, I find myself feeling a little mournful because it involves, you know, potential death. 
Yeah, but think of how many new listeners you just attracted <laughs> with that story. Well, I, I couldn't hear you over my giggling. Uh, how many new <laughs> listeners I w- potentially what turned off, turned away? No, got that our our new listeners came to the show now because they heard about this story and they had to hear it themselves. That's right. This is if this performs nearly as well as my post. Oh my god! I hope the <laughs> servers are ready for the influx. Speaking of wild success, Tony, the woman that is joining us today is someone who is your friend, actually. Um, Sarah Watkins, she is just her talent. I'm intimidated by it. She is a formidable, virtuosic talent. She got her start playing young in the band Nickel Creek with her brother and their friend. She went on to play with a number of different people and to have um, an incredible solo career. And she is someone whom my listeners have been asking me. When I did Felice Navipod, your Christmas podcast, and your mm-hmm. co-host Todd Cooper, that's his name, right? Yes. Married to Sarah. When they're like, oh, you have a connection to Todd. You have to get Sarah on. Well, you guys, it's finally happening. I am. Oh, oh, oh. And I, I should have said, as we will talk about, but she has um, a children's album that she has made in the pandemic. But it's not. I mean, it's a children's out. Al- it's I feel like it's not just for children. It's for children and adults. Uh, and it's called Under the Pepper Tree. And that comes out March 26th. And I got a sneak peek with my ears and it is so good it is so beautiful mm-hmm. i am delighted to welcome to the show sarah watkins hi hello welcome hello thank you okay did i get anything wrong in that introduction no that was so kind and generous no it was i mean thank you you were real young in nickel creek right yeah i um when the band started, I was eight and Chris Thiele was eight and my brother was 12. Wow. And that was the main, my main musical uh, media for um, for a long time until it, it was like 25, 26. Wow. How, how did this happen when you were this? Actually, let me back up. The thing I need to know, what is the difference yes. between fiddle and violin? No difference. Oh, really? It is, it is a... Uh, it's the same instrument. It's a, you you are you have good company in being curious about this because it is uh, a common question that um but it's the same instrument and violin I think is probably the more pr- the proper name for it but mm-hmm. fiddle is just a nickname. And it's more commonly used in bluegrass country jazz music. But uh famously it's like Perlman calls his violin a fiddle. So um it's just a nickname. Got it. So you're Classical a vi- people set it up a little bit differently, right. but you know. So you're a violin. You're both a violinist and a fiddleist. <laughs> I would call myself more a fiddleist because I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I dabbled. I tried to play in a, like a youth orchestra for a hot minute when I got inspired by a classical teacher at fiddle camp. Mm-hmm. But um, I was, I was, it, it, I, I was sort of. Uh, patronized a little bit like oh isn't that cute the fiddlers trying to play classical music isn't that so sweet who are these people and have they seen you now (laughs) (laughs) no i mean it's such a different it's such a different uh skill set it's it's stylistically it's just it's a it's a whole other challenge that's Um, so interesting that it's the same instrument but called something different depending on the style yeah 
And now, were fiddles ever played holding them against the hip? Or is that just cartoon animals that do that? You know what? I think, like, <laughs> very another very good question. Um, I think, yes, probably, like, more in, like, Cajun music mm-hmm. or, like, very old-timey music. Uh, the fiddle gets low, kind of lower and lower. But it's a little bit difficult to be to be precise in that in that situation. Right. So, so when you play it, it's tucked under your chin. Yeah, and that's kind of the the standard way mm-hmm. of doing it. So how how did it happen that at eight you were professionally playing bluegrass Americana music? And you grew up in San Diego, right? Yeah, I grew up in North County, San Diego, in uh, Vista, and in Oceanside which is a very nearby town, there was a, a, a pizza parlor called That Pizza Place, and every Saturday night, this bluegrass band pl- would play there for years. This was like a seven-year-long residency. And um, this bluegrass band just happened to be also, they were really great players, and they were really good teachers. And the, they were the, at the core of this um, the scene of, of bluegrassy kind of music in Southern California. And there would be, a, you know, probably like 50 to 100 of the same people coming every week. And those people became our friends. And it was, a, it was a great community. And the band became friends and would invite us on stage to play after we started taking lessons from them. And that's where we met. My family met the Thiele's and, and soon started um, or at, at some point started um, playing together. And it eventually became Nickel Creek. Mm-hmm. Are your parents musical? They really love it and they really value it. And, um, and they were giving us lessons, uh, because music was taken out of the, you know, music wasn't in the schools, the public system down there anymore. So, um, we were taking private lessons, but, um, my dad played some guitar and my mom sang, my grandma played, my grandma's played piano. Um, so it was just kind of like a normal thing. It wasn't a featured extraordinary thing in any way. Mm-hmm. It was just normal that, that you play something or sing something like folk guitar or church music. And, um, and I think that was part of the appeal. It just, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a, like, I'm going to live this extraordinary lifestyle and, and. And go places. It was just like, oh, no, this is a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And what was the first instrument you started playing? Fiddle. Do you it's remember- really the only thing that I that I do with for any merit. Do you remember how you chose it? I don't know why it appealed to me. My mom wanted me to take flute. And mm-hmm. um, I, that was not appealing to me. I think because I just didn't see it in my life. But what I did see was this band play every Saturday night and they were nice to us and they played fun music and people in the audience would come up and play. Like this guy, Ken Owens was, just, he used to, Tony's heard me talk about this before. He, um, he builds, he built model, uh, inventions like prototypes. Mm-hmm. And he was part of building one of the, um, prototypes for a ship in Star Wars. Forgive me, Tony, that I don't remember which, which or what, but um, I don't remember hearing this story actually. Really? I feel like yeah. it's my only claim to fame for any Star Wars person. <laughs> and, um, anyway, he would play spoons. So every Saturday night, Ken Owens would come up and he'd play spoons on something, which is just kind of a rhythmic thing to, to add into a tune. And then other people would play songs and, it felt like just a social, normal social thing. And um, 
there was a great fiddle player in the band, a couple of great fiddle players that I got to see and something about it appealed to me. I don't know what, but um, I'm really, I really love it. And still to this day, even when, like, if I'm, if I'm feeling down, um, a lot of times, I don't know if it's because I'm not playing enough or practicing enough, but if I am able to find the time and, and make the time, I guess, to, to really lose myself in practicing it, 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 it can really make me feel so much better about things. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's the one. It's like the the thing that I, f- I feel like I can lose myself in it. In playing fiddle. Yeah. How often do you play? I, uh, a lot right now. Um, during the pandemic, I, 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 I've been really lucky that my brother and I, um, play together. We released a record in April called Brother Sister for the Watkins Family Hour. And um, so he and I started doing, um, every two weeks we'll do a a live stream for our our patrons on Patreon. And that's been really great because it's, it's given me a purpose to, you know, keep up my chops enough to, to do that. So even if I'm not practicing as much as I would like to, it's, it's been a, a real, um, a real nice thing to be able to have that purpose for keeping like learning songs and writing songs and Mm -hmm. playing. So Watkins family hour was a residency, right? At, Mm -hmm. at Largo Largo? here in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, And what were those shows like? I mean, it, it's, it, it was a residency until, until the pandemic. And as far as I can tell, it will go back to it afterwards. Those shows have varied a lot. They um they started as a way for Sean and I to just play other stuff. Um because we were on tour with Nickel Creek, it was a really I was it started uh probably it started around t- 2002 or two, 2002 probably. Mm-hmm. And um and at that point, Nickel Creek was touring really hard, three weeks on, one week off, almost year round. And it was super intense. And, and, and in that band, we, we really try for precision. And, um, and after a lot of years of doing that, it was, it was a real, it was really refreshing to come back home and play a gig of just songs that we know, mm-hmm. songs that like were in our blood from, when we were kids or, you know, things that we just really got, you know, turned on to and just can't get enough of. It was a great excuse to, to play songs that we just wanted to play, play them once and not have to tour a record behind it or worry about people taping it because there was a no taping policy. So you could really just be in the moment. And, Mm -hmm. and that was the, um, that was the impetus for it. And then we started playing with other musicians that were around in town recording or on tour or passing through or, or, people we met and it's it's it became a really big deal for me um i feel like it that doing those shows is what gave me the confidence to do a solo record in the first place because it gave me a just the experience of playing in these different situations and and leading songs um when I grew up on stage, but I grew up in this very specific dynamic. And so it was a little bit intimidating to step outside of that at first. My first instinct, uh, when I, like I opened for somebody at, at Largo the first time as like a practice gig before I did a little friendly West Coast run opening for a friend. 
And my instinct on that first show that I opened for somebody solo, I was going to play like five songs on the ukulele. And my instinct was to just run (laughs) down the alley. I just wanted to like, I could envision myself. I had like a stomach ache and I just wanted to see myself run down the alley Mm. and not come back. And I realized that was ridiculous. And so I got over it. But it was it was a um, a challenge to kind of step outside of that that comfort zone. Is it nerves or shyness or what do you think? I think it's. Um, I mean, this was a long time ago now. So that that first my first time I opened for somebody was probably in like two thousand seven. Um, and I think it was just lack of experience. It. Because when you're the only one on stage, uh, I, I had just become so um, accustomed to this this triangle of strength that mm-hmm. it was the trio of Nickel Creek. And um, and I had just become so accustomed to having those two other walls to lean against that I, I didn't have, I literally didn't have the strength to stand up by myself because I had never really tried to strengthen that muscle. And so um, when... I, so I needed to practice. And so the practice and the getting stronger was opening for people, doing opening shows, which are only, you know, 20 to 30 minutes usually at first. And and um, and just learning the skills of that it takes to do a show by yourself. And that it's not just being on stage. It's like, you know, doing all the travel details and um, and setting up merch and figuring out how to pack your merch and how to travel and all, all the all the logistics that keep you from losing too much money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and where are you now with it, with, with doing solo shows? Oh, I love it. Really? I love it. Yeah, it's so great. And, and I, um, I'm lucky that I don't have to do solo shows all the time because I, I get to play in these other bands and get to play fiddle and, as a side person or or a collaboration with Nickel Creek or my brother or this other trio I'm in, I'm with her. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's a, it's really, um, it's to me. And then I get to do solo records every once in a while when I feel like I have something to say, but, um, I, I can't imagine having to do solo record after solo record because I just don't have that much to say. <laughs> I would get so tired of myself and, and of my narrative, my own songwriting narrative too, mm-hmm. you know? It's just so much more fun to be with other people and hear what they have to say. Can we go back to the um, precision thing for a yeah. minute? So I was thinking, so I, many years ago, played in a, basically a punk band where um, precision was not our thing. <laughs> and I'm trying to imagine what that would be like in terms of precision as the goal. Were you, did you each police yourselves or were you sort of on top of each other? How, how was that enforced, so to speak? It wasn't really enforced, but there was a, a high standard that we all had. And, um, and so you want to, you want to try and achieve that. And it's disappointing if you make silly mistakes if you blow something that for no reason or like um, for me, I have a hard time. I have a hard time when I get in my head, getting Mm -hmm. out of my head. When I, when I start doing that spiral where I just get insecure or I start questioning whether I know what I'm doing. Mm. And then that, that distracts my brain 
So then all I have is muscle memory. If my fingers somehow do what they're supposed to do and what they've been trained to do. Mm -hmm. But if that goes, then I'm out of luck. (laughs) Cause you have to have kind of both of those things ready in case one engine goes, you still have the other one, Mm -hmm. but they gotta, they gotta be working closely together. Um, and so I think that like that for me, that was one of my big frustrations was just if I couldn't get out of my head, mm-hmm. um, feeling like I was just blowing it and just just taking off the mistakes mm-hmm. rather than trying to actually play for human beings who are in front of you and who aren't worried about whether or not you're you played some nose out of tune. Right. Um, have you found any tricks to get yourself in or keep yourself in the right headspace? There are a bunch of books I'm told I should read. I should read, but I haven't done it. Um, I I don't I don't. Do you have tricks? Did you did you have a similar situation in your band? Um, you know, live shows were not a problem, but in the studio, I that's where I remember this one time. Um, and I mean, this was so long ago that. Uh, our bass player had a camcorder, but like a big one, <laughs> like a on her shoulder kind of thing to take home movies. And I was having trouble with a gu- with the guitar part I was doing. And then she was recording it. And I was just like, I don't even know where this video is, but it's just me looking at the camera going like, I can't do it. I, I mean, I had a semi freak out of like this video camera on me is making it a thousand times worse. I'm having trouble with this. And the more I was having trouble, the more, the harder it was getting because I couldn't yeah. get the adrenaline to stop. Um, yeah, I know I, there's, it's a, there's a, a, there's a whole thing that aside from actually knowing how to do something, being able to do it when, when you need to do it. Mm-hmm. And the studio adds a totally different kind of pressure for sure when there are a bunch of people there. And it's a it's a whole other uh, microscope that because you can edit things, especially these days, you know, you, people really, you can take out different certain syllables. If you pronounce part of your word weird, they can, you know, everyone's listening for all the details because they want to be able to edit them out. And, um, and it's, it can be a really, a real, a real um, mess in your brain mm. when you're, when you're in the studio. But I mean, I think that's why it's so important to try and be in with groups of people who are the kind of people you want to be around. Right. Tony, you're an accomplished professional musician who has a gold record. Um, where are you with all of this stuff with like being in your head and whether nerves get in the way of executing something. Uh, I actually wanted to ask Sarah if, if she's like me at all. I don't think we've ever talked about this with each other. Cause for me, I play the best when I can just sort of like zone out. Like the second I start thinking about what I'm doing, that's when I will mess up. I kind of just have to, I, I sounds corny, but I like almost lose myself sort of and, and just kind of just let it go. And I'm For not sure. thinking about what I'm doing. I just do it. And that's what it's I so it's best. always so frustrating. Sometimes I'll be I'll be in that zone. I totally agree with you 100 percent. And I um, I will f- be in that zone and I'll be like I'll be just just aware enough or I'll be like, OK, this is going well. This is going well. But. But I'm just, ideally, I, I, 
I have an idea of what I want to do. My fingers are doing it. I'm able to execute the thing that I have in my head. Mm -hmm. And that's the dream to have something good to say and then be able to say it and uh, with your instrument. And then if somebody makes a comment like, yeah, or like, woo, <laughs> on stage, like if one of my bandmates is like, yeah, it, it freaks me out. I immediately mm -hmm. fall down. It is it's so frustrating. And also because like I was doing great. I was really doing great, but you, <laughs> I, get, I got taken out of it. And then I'm like, oh, how am I gonna land this thing? And then I don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, that would, used to happen to me. There was one song in particular that had a drum part that people asked me about a lot. And um, when that kind of started becoming a thing, then it would get to that part during the show. And then it might even be a situation where one of the people that asked me about it, like is standing on the side of the stage watching us or something. And then I notice them watching and then I start thinking about it and then would just totally butcher it every time. <laughs> Tony, I know, and that's the brain stuff. That's so frustrating. That's exactly what I was talking mm -hmm. about. Tony, did you ever lose sleep over it? Because I feel like if you had had a purple mattress, you wouldn't have. Yes, that's one of my famous segues. I was just going to say, the queen of segues just showed up. <laughs> has entered the chat. As the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable, we're all looking for as much comfort as we can get. And one thing I can always count on is how comfortable my purple mattress is. That's because purple is comfort reinvented. Only purple has the grid a stretchy gel material that's amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips. I don't know how it does it. It's just fantastic. And if you're watching this, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen, I'm holding a little, a cute little sample of the grid up to the camera. Because of how it's designed, the grid doesn't trap air. Air circulates and flows through it. You'll never overheat. The grid bounces back as you move and shift, unlike memory foam, which remembers everything. That is so frightening sounding. That's why memory foam has craters and divots. And right now you can try your purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is available too. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Right now, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash bestfriend10 and use promo code bestfriend10. That's purple.com slash bestfriend10, promo code bestfriend10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash bestfriend10, promo code bestfriend10, terms apply. Speaking of comfort, which we were... Bomba socks. Uh, Sarah, you should be fiddling in Bomba socks. Tony, you should be drumming in Bomba socks. And if I ever play in a band again, I should be doing it in Bomba socks. They are the when I put my first pair of Bombas on, it made me angry at all of my other socks. Um, they are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They literally thought of every little detail. Uh, and they're they hug your feet. They have this like woven sort of arch support. They have re they're reinforced. Um, they, they're just like, you put them on and, and you just go, ah. and I hope that was a sound that makes you want to purchase them. Not a sound that makes you go, that is a too, way too intimate of a sound, <laughs> but they really are so comfortable and they're good because 
for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash best friend. That's bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash best friend. For 20% off your first purchase, bombas.com slash best friend. Okay, so back to Sarah. I am wondering, so you're eight years old, you're playing in Nickel Creek. Um, did you Do you feel like you had a normal childhood or was that like... Were you like a child star? Neither. Um, I definitely didn't have a normal childhood because also because I was I was homeschooled from seventh grade and on. These days, I feel like what is normal. <laughs> but uh, when I was growing up, it definitely there were some things that let me know that you know I was into things my friends weren't into. Um, it was I, honestly to me, I, I felt like I grew up in two different worlds for a while until when I was in school. That's what I felt like when I started Mm -hmm. homeschooling it, it all kind of worked together. But, um, I was going to private school through sixth grade and I did not do well in private school. I just felt like, I don't know. I, I, I felt like, uh, I didn't have many friends. I was like, I was the kid who would hang out with the teachers at recess. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) literally helping them clean the chalkboard. <laughs> I, um, I didn't, I, I just, I didn't make sense at school. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I went to festivals though, on the weekends, or when I went to the pizza parlor where the bluegrass band played, I had tons of friends. They were just all 70 years old, <laughs> but I loved it. And I felt, and I, and I was so happy and felt, you know, a lot. I've genuinely felt like they were my friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we'd go to bluegrass festivals and I met a bunch of other kids who did this kind of stuff. A lot of them are my friends to this day and, uh, and still playing. Um, I went to fiddle camps and, uh, it was, it was awesome. I loved my childhood. Um, there were a lot of things that I learned through being in a band as a kid, um, such as like teamwork and, um, humility because mm-hmm. uh there there's I was definitely not the star of that band like in terms of um of uh like Chris Chris Thiele in the band is is a outrageous musician and um but for the longest time I thought he was just like normal and I was just subpar <laughs> but he's actually like extraordinary mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and You're all pretty uh, extraordinary yeah He's got a MacArthur grant. Hey, what's this still? I know, I know what you're saying, but sorry. but it's uh, I, I think like as a kid, a lot, a lot of kids navigate experience that on a sports team or, or whatever. I just happened to learn it in music, and I'm so glad because I don't know. It's just it's such. I, I feel like I have learned so many things by um, directly from my mentors learning in, in front of teachers as they gave me pointers mm-hmm. and gave me lessons that I still think about today and, and being in bands with people and getting to share the, you know, the frustrations and just that like camaraderie of, of, of a family that I really had and still feel in bands. I think it's just so great. I, I just, I love, 
I love that kind of environment. And that's probably why um, I do solo records every so often, maybe, I guess it's like every five or six years now, but, um, but I, I'm happy to spend most of my time in bands. So let's talk about Under the Pepper Tree, which again comes out March 26th. Um, I love this album. Many of the songs I think people will be familiar with. Um, how did you choose what songs and I imagine you had to get, I imagine you ha- like how, how do you get the rights to those? How are you able to perform those songs? You can record anything you want. You just have to pay the royalties. Got it. But there are other, like performing them I think is different mm. because, uh, yeah, sometimes I think for Disney songs it's a little bit difficult to get right. that kind of stuff. But you can record it. You just have to give them their seven cents per record or something. Um, and uh, so the way that I chose these songs is was just by – Noticing the songs that have kind of stayed with me from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, these are songs that I was for, got familiar with as a kid and they've stayed with me for one reason or, or another. And I feel like, like some of that tumbling tumbleweeds is one of them that just, I grew up listening, loving cowboy stuff in mm-hmm. the Southwest part of the States where, you know, there's this, we're very close to the desert. We're very close to that cowboy culture and um and i just i always loved the sons of the pioneers harmony that's that like roy rogers old timey harmony and and so i recorded tumbling tumbleweeds and then there are other things like i recorded um uh second star to the right Mm -hmm. um from peter pan it's the opening theme in peter pan or or um uh just a bunch of of songs that have stayed with me melodically these these things are beautiful and there's an imaginative lyric um theme in 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 all of these that um that i think that was that was something i really wanted to um to kind of emphasize on this record lala lou is one that i remember from my childhood both because i love lady and the tramp but also because i had this record that my mom used to play for me before i would go to sleep or as I was falling asleep, I wish, and I've tried to find it now as an adult. It wow. was like night songs or something. Um, wow. Do you know? Yeah. It, 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 and it had, um, it's the closing one was something little star sleeper. Um, oh wait, is that, that's not Lala. No. Um, and it would go like, Good yes, it is. It, yes, is. it is. Oh, that is that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the other songs Here on it. Here comes a pink cloud for you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was, I can't, I'm blanking on what the other ones were on it though. But, um, but yeah, like that goes straight to my, the nostalgia part of my subconscious, that song. What was your relationship with that song? I, you know, I, I, um, just familiarity with Lady and the Tramp. I watched that movie a little bit and, and the songs from those old, old movies just, I, I don't know. There's a simplicity that and a, a beautiful lilt to that that just that particular song that that just it's the kind of thing that just um there's like a, a very human meter in it or like a phrasing that just stays with you I think and um so I, I yeah it's funny that that you have that experience with with a 
uh, night songs because that's that's really the intent of this album. Mm-hmm. Was I, I wanted it to be a record that people listen to in the evening specifically. Um, and Adel- I would love to know what that record. Is. I gotta find it. And Edelweiss, yeah, tr- that's a song. To search. Yeah, I mean, I imagine because of the popularity of Sound of Music and us being relatively similar ages, but Edelweiss was a song that my mom used to sing to me all the time. And your mm-hmm. daughter sings on it. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah, it, it was really fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Sound of Music. I Have you ever seen it at the Hollywood Bowl? No, I would I love to. Cannot, I really wanted to go this year. I, I hope to go next time I can. I've never been, but it's, you know, the LA Phil is there. It's a sing-along of Sound of Music. Every September they do it, and I can't wait. Um, but uh, I, yeah, Sound of Music is so special to me, and... Edelweiss is just a really beautiful, it's it's just so beautiful. And um, my daughter came down from a nap. I was editing a demo of it. And um, so I had my, my little, little setup. And it was the first time that she sang into a mic and heard her voice come through headphones. Uh-huh. And uh, that's the version that you hear. But like, if, if you heard just her track, like the one stem of her voice you would hear her just eating the mic. Like she was just got so <laughs> delighted with the proximity of uh-huh. like getting so much louder when she, and, um, and, uh, but fortunately we got a pass. It, it was just, just the one take. And then after that, it got real silly. So, um, <laughs> I didn't even know if I was going to get her on it, but it was just too sweet to not, mm. to not include did, given the context of the record. I think. Did you always know you wanted kids? No. I kind of assumed it was just going to happen because it was just like, well, I'm a lady. I guess I'm going to get married and have kids. But I, and I didn't not want kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, it was never a goal for me until I, until it was. <laughs> um, yeah. And how did you meet Todd? Through mutual friends, actually. Um, we have, uh, we had mutual friends and we met at a Thanksgiving party, which they would have after everyone did Thanksgiving with their families. And it was sort of like a decompress post family Thanksgiving <laughs> hang. And, um, and then we, uh, we would see each other at different events with those same people. And, um, and eventually we, we both kind of made an effort to show up at a party and kept in touch. And then, um, yeah, started dating, broke up, and then stayed together. <laughs> Why did you guys break up? It was just unbalanced. It was just, it was just weird. We both needed to kind of just step back from it for a second, and then just choose it again. Mm. What do you and mean by unbalanced? Oh well, uh, I had never dated really in in the normal way because I would been I had been on tour since I was seventeen. And so I had like a ton of people that I had, you know, like hour long conversations with, (laughs) but it really, like after a while, it was like this, it was, it was total false intimacy Mm. where it was just like, um, you know, you can, you can have very big, deep conversations with people, but it became more about me feeling like I was communicating with somebody than actually remembering what they said. Mm. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, which probably, which might be true in a lot of people's early twenties relationships. Um, but, uh, 
I didn't have, I was not home long enough or in any place long enough to have to deal with, um, the, the seeing somebody on a regular basis stuff. And so that was, there was a little bit of adjustment on my end from that of just real, like figuring out how to have a relationship that wasn't going to last 10 days (laughs) that would last longer than that. Right. In a balanced way, you know? Mm -hmm. How did you learn that? Uh, well, I think, um, I think like he realized that there was, I can't really speak for him, but, um, we found a way where we both didn't feel so frantic and rushed mm-hmm. and there's, it's so easy to be in contact with people all the time. And I don't know that it's super healthy especially when you're dating, like it's so easy just to like text all the time mm-hmm. and then feel like you have to, or like you should, or even call every day. Like, uh, you know, when I'm on tour now, so we'll, to everyone, sometimes we'll have conversations every, every day. So a lot of times we'll go several days without talking and just check in. But like when you're dating there, there sometimes there can be a pressure to just, to just feel crazy about someone right away. If you don't, then what's the point? And, um, and I, I think it was really good for us to find a rhythm and use some discipline to just Mm -hmm. be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna diversify (laughs) in my relationships, like keep my other relationships strong too. And not just, you know, dive into this one. I see. So when you say unbalanced, do you mean like it, it was like total immersion to the exclusion of the other things in your life? Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. a lot of it. So, how does touring work as a mother? Well, my experience thus far has been pretty ideal. So, I don't know how it's going to work from now on. But I was very lucky. I was in a band with um, my friends Eva O'Donovan and Sarah Jarose. That's I'm both, with her, right? I'm with her. Yeah, and they're both incredible songwriters and and musicians in their own right. We did. an album together and uh, toured it for almost two years. And uh, Ethan and I both had babies right before the tour and uh, brought them on board with a nanny and we got to share a nanny. Oh, I love that. Sam was five months old and Ivy Joe was three months old when we went on the bus. And, um, And it was great. It was so magical and also challenging but I was so lucky to have someone to do it with mm-hmm. where like we have different personalities um and different strengths where her one of her superpowers is thinking ahead and being prepared and and uh and just like executing mm-hmm. and my superpower is not worrying <laughs> <laughs> So we helped each other out a bit. Um, and we could, you know, we would have, we would, our arrangement was when we, when we had hotel rooms every three, few nights, we would get adjoining rooms mm-hmm. so that we could help each other out and like take turns taking a shower and watch the kids. And it was magical in a lot of ways. There were two weeks when everybody, when the kids had the stomach flu, oh, that God. was not magical. <laughs> um <laughs> There were a lot of times that were really challenging with sleep in the back lounge and feeling guilty that the we were keeping people awake on tour. But we were so lucky that um, 
that every, I mean, everyone was so supportive, mm-hmm. all the crew and the rest and Rose was so supportive and it was really, um, a best case scenario. Were you, now go ahead. I'm going to have to leave her at home and I don't know if that's going to, that's not going to feel good. Were you able to sleep on that tour? Enough. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes I was real tired, but, um, Thank you for asking. That's so sweet. Of you to ask. <laughs> well, I just know I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I just know wow. sleep was. Uh, I was real tired. I'm still real tired, but I was real tired in those early days. So, well, especially with two, you're just getting out of it with two, and then you have another one. Like that's that's brutal. Um, I just have the one, um, and so yeah, I, I there was a there was one dark day when I was in. Um, like my darkest day was in Boise, Idaho. And, um, it was super hot. It was like 104 degrees. And, um, in the bus, if you, sometimes you're in a spot where the bus can have a push out where like, it's like a bay window that comes out and it, it really expands the, the feeling of how big the bus is, mm-hmm. which is not very big. It, it makes it feel much better. This was not a scenario where we could do that. The bus was tiny, 104 degrees. Oh. So we couldn't be outside with the kids. They were like getting heat stroke. They're very young at the time. And um, I was real tired. I was like on a, on like a, it had been a rough week for me for some reason, teething or whatever. And I just remember having a huge breakdown. We just got a hotel. It was not, it was like a last minute. We've got to find some air conditioning and have a break. And we got a hotel room and, uh, and I just started crying <laughs> and the girls were like, we're taking Sam, you're sleeping and we're just going goodbye. And I slept for four hours. I felt great after that. Yeah. But it was, it was, you just, you need help. Mm-hmm. You just need help in, in some case, in some ways you, yeah, you are enough as a mom. You're all the baby needs, but you need help. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're all the baby needs, but the baby's not all you, you need, need. You need things too. Yeah. Because you're just being depleted. Right. And it can be alienating being just with exclusively with a baby all the time because yeah. it's like there's, yes, they're, they're, you know, sweet and it's heartwarming and all those good things, but there's, they're, they're not on your level intellectually. <laughs> you can't <laughs> talk to them. Dumb. They're <laughs> real dumb at first. They're dumb. And they're also <laughs> super immature. Have you noticed? Yeah. And selfish. <laughs> yes. And, um, I, if I was by myself, I think it would have been a totally different tour, even if I had had a nanny. But um, but uh, I don't think I would have been able to afford a nanny by myself. Mm-hmm. And also, um, just, just having the camaraderie, just having another mom that I could commiserate with. And also just, like, be awake with me at 7 mm-hmm. in the morning when we're frantically trying to find a children's museum or a playground to go to and get off the bus with, like, you know, someone to help you get the stroller out of the bay like like there are so many (laughs) so many things it's just great to have a teammate yeah if you can have one it's really really great yeah yeah I ended up doing mommy and me which I didn't even know about until there's one of my good friends I happened to meet at a class at the hospital while we were both really pregnant um and we kept in touch and at the time before we had our babies, just like comparing notes about, you know, oh, which rocking chair did you get? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, mostly about products, honestly, at the beginning. 
kidding. <laughs> but it was so fortuitous because we've we've become really good friends. We have kids who are the same age. But anyway, she's the one who was like, oh, I signed up for this class. You should see if they have a spot. Um, and that was our original mommy and me class, which really was just helpful to to and I'm not really in touch with all the other moms except for her these days, although we still have a group chat that we periodically check in on. But just to have other people who are in it at the same time so you can ask questions and feel less alone. It is important. I think it's so important. Are you a are you a group person in general? No, not really. Um I always whenever I am a part of a group or whenever I have a group experience, I always find that it really makes me feel good. And I feel like I should do that more. But in general, I think I kind of avoid group stuff. Yeah, me too. I, I was reluctant and my, my husband encouraged me to do this walk around Echo Park, like, because I heard about it Mm -hmm. and he was like, you should do it. And then about the fifth time I, I actually did it. And it was so nice just to be with other people who everyone's everyone's saying that they're okay to be talked to by being there. Everyone's like right. opening themselves up. And it's so nice just to walk up to somebody and be able to say hi and have them say hi to you and just kind of understand each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, um, man, I, I was, I was so encouraged about humanity when I started flying with my daughter because she was the first time I did a flight with her. I think it. I think it was. Um, I was by my. I think I was by myself. I don't remember, but I, I was in the air. I was in LAX. And I had like you know my fiddle, my suitcase, all the baby stuff that I thought I was supposed to need, all this stuff, and um, people were opening doors for me. Oh, that's so people nice. were like they were like. Uh, the, like the the people at the security were just like, how can I help you? What can I do? Can I take this thing from you? I would be sitting on a plane and a stranger lady would come up to me and be like, hey, I've got a five-year-old. They're not with me. If you need relief, just let me know. Oh, that's so and nice. I've literally taken strangers up on that at the bath and be like, can you please hold my child so I can go to the bathroom? Like I've given her to so many strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really nice just to feel like, oh, this grandma wants to hold mm-hmm. my daughter. I'm like... She loves it. Sam's happy. And I get to go to the bathroom by myself. It's amazing. You know? It's so nice. Um, it's a little, little, yeah, it's a nice feeling about humanity. Yes. So I have some questions that listeners sent in, uh, which I would like to get to in a moment. But first, are you a gig worker or self-employed? Uh, this year, people have had to be flexible and creative. Yeah. And 2020 was hard. Uh, 2021 is hard. It's all hard. Womply has helped over 100,000 small businesses get a PPP stimulus loan. Up to 41.1 million self-employed workers may qualify for up to $41,666 in 100% forgivable loans. Funds are limited, so apply for free today at womply.com slash Allison and see if you qualify for a PPP loan. That's Womply. W-O-M-P-L-Y dot com slash Allison. Okay, let's get ready to take some questions from our fans. When we ask, they send them in, they're wondering how. 
so thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay, and these questions came in on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, you can submit questions for guests. You can see videos of the Thursday show. Videos of the Monday show like this one are on my YouTube, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen. Please subscribe. I'm basing my self-worth on that number. Uh, and it's not good right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and bonus episodes, Zoom parties, all sorts of fun stuff. Okay. Rafael Castaneda says, I was shocked when I watched an old late night performance of Sarah's and saw Danielle Heim was her drummer. How did that come about? Is it intimidate? Oh, so that's the first question. And then second question, is it intimidating to play music for her husband, knowing that he wrote the talking target jingle on Felice Navipod? (laughs) (laughs) And then also, what can we expect? No, when can we expect a new I'm with her album? I love the the Felice Navi Pod crossover questions. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Danielle, I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. Danielle Heim played drums on, on with me. She's a great drummer, and um, uh, I was she she was around at the time. She's out of town a lot these days. I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's pretty popular. <laughs> she's pretty busy. Um, that was, that was great. I love her playing. I think she's great. Um, uh, Todd is always very kind and generous about my songs, even though, uh, they're not, they're not always up to the, the talking target, um, (laughs) standard. (laughs) But what is really? Um, but he's actually gives me very good feedback. Very, very good, helpful feedback sometimes when I'm stuck. It's nice to have people bounce ideas off of. Um, and then when can we expect a new I'm With Her album? Uh, there will be something. There will be another record. We definitely consider us a band uh, still. Like, like we're going to be a band forever. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how we think of it. Um, so I think we, we all want to dig into a few other projects. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll come back as a trio. Um, Leanne Ward says, I am such a huge fan of Sarah's and I'm so excited that one of my very favorite interviewers, thank you, is going to interview one of my very favorite music artists. 2021 is finally starting to look up and here she has, (laughs) she has three questions. Um, one, I was a fan of yours when you were in Nickel Creek, of course, but I have been delighted to see what an incredible force of talent you've become as a solo artist. Do you feel that you've become a stronger person and that your talent has been given more room to emerge in these years of doing it on your own? Or do you think it has just come with maturing and time? Hmm. I don't think that those things are separate. Um, I think that... I have uh, become a, I feel like when I do a solo record, um, the challenges that come from that make me a stronger musician and ultimately make, give me skills that I can, can, that I can um, use when I'm working in a collaborative scenario. Um, The stronger, like if, if I'm uh, like the stronger individual I am, the more I can contribute to a team mm-hmm. and, um, and conversely, like the, the better teammate I am, I feel like that teaches me how to be a better leader, band leader and, you know, um, leader on the road. So I feel like those things, I, I really, it, they, they feel to me kind of crucial to me to have 
both of those scenarios. I've always said like, if, if you're in one band, you should try and be in two because, um, because there, there are going to be different cha- different things that you learn from the, from each band and you can, um, it'll help you grow. Otherwise it's, it's very easy just to get comfortable in your singular role in this one band or mm. whatever scenario you're in and you get, your skills can kind of shrivel down to whatever is just needed for this one scenario rather than growing into a more well-rounded uh, skill set. Right. I feel like it's actually kind of the same with podcasting. Um, yeah. Two, how did you end up playing on Mandy Moore's 2020 album? Uh, how did that come about? I have known Taylor Goldsmith for a while. He sang on my second record and he also sings on this record under the pepper tree. Um, and, um, and I got to tour with Dots quite a bit. And so we've, we've seen the him a lot and he'll, he'll come down to the family hour and, and play he and Griffin well, um, now and then. And so I think I met Mandy through that. He and Mandy came down and did a show one of the family hour shows and, and so we've seen her around, around, um, and she was part of a show. I'm just now remembering this. She did a show with us. Um, we did a, a performance with Diderio for the Diderio foundation, which puts music, um, in schools, instruments in, in the hands of underprivileged school systems and districts. And, um, she came down and did th- that song. Um, I think it's called 15 um, at that show because it's about her experience as a, as a kid growing up and uh, in music and we played it and she really liked that version. Evidently she'd had a hard time kind of finding the right way to record that song. Mm-hmm. And so um, she invited me to be a part of this third round of like giving that song a, a go and uh so that's how that happened. That's so cool. And then what was it like to tour with Vince Gill and Amy Grant? Do you have any funny <laughs> Vince Gill stories? Vince Gill has been my favorite since I was 12, which was 28 years ago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so, um, Allison, I was uh, I don't know how up on Amy Grant you are. I feel that I'm not that up on Amy Grant. She um, she is the queen of Christmas. <laughs> I, did. I don't think I, knew. I had if, a feeling this if, is where you were going with it. <laughs> if you uh, grew up in uh, in in the in the Christian community at all, when you were in, you know, whatever junior high high school, you are aware of Amy Grant because she is like the prized queen of Christmas, and um, and especially among church people. And I still I love her to this day. I think she is so pretty. I love her voice. I watched her. She did a Christmas special when I was a kid. We had it on VHS and I watched it year round. And she sang with an orchestra and she was the first person I saw hold a microphone in her hand and like lead a stage like that. And I thought it was so, I thought she was just like Beyonce. (laughs) And um, we were uh, flash forward like 10 years, if not more, we were on, we got to do a Christmas tour with Vince Gill and Amy Grant. And a chamber orchestra from Nashville. Wow. And um, and they were delightful. And uh, at the end of the tour, they invited a bunch of us other musicians um, to play poker up in their suite at the hotel. And they brought they got like a bunch of 
quarters and we just played with the quarters. They just got like a hundred dollars worth of quarters or whatever. And it was really fun. And uh, they're both just very genuine and kind people. Vince Gill always makes me nervous though, because he's so down to earth that like you, I've tried to like be like jokey with him. Mm -hmm. And the vibe is just like, I don't know you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. But in a cool (laughs) way, because yeah, I was trying to impress him. <laughs> Why? Why was I trying to like get his attention? Like he's he's cool. He's he's like his own thing. I don't need to like be friends with everyone I think is cool. Why was I making an effort? So then I'm like, oh shoot, you're so cool. You're right. I'm just gonna be over here. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, this. Uh, he's he's you know uh, younger than my parents, but you know he's it's not like he's my age. So were you in the Christian community growing up or are you yeah. still? Um, I am not. No, I'm not. Um, I was. And it, it was kind of like a, a they, I think it, it would be like considered like the outskirts of Christianity in a lot of ways. There was no fear of hell and hellfire and damnation, mm-hmm. which I think I, I was really spared a lot of trauma yeah by by not having to deal with that uh in my adulthood and unravel what that all what all the consequences of what that means mm-hmm. um and there are a lot of great metaphors and lessons that i carry with me from the stories that i grew up with um and um and there are uh, some beautiful things that i that i still carry with me but uh i i I wouldn't say that I'm in there mm. anymore. Uh, and then lastly, Tammy says, what was it like? Well, actually, let me read her whole question. Hi, Sarah. I've been a fan of yours for years. What was it like working and playing with Fiona Apple? It's it's amazing. She's like, she's a beast. It's it's She's so, she's a one of a kind artist. Um, I was just talking about her recently because... Um, Somehow, somehow it came up, but we were, we got to, she's around Largo a lot where we do our family hour shows and we've gotten to play with her a lot and, um, and, um, and tour. The first time I got to tour with her, she joined Nickel Creek and we were her band. It was Nickel Creek and Fiona Apple on a co-bill and we played and then Fiona sang and we were her band. And it was insane. I can't believe it happened. And, uh. And she did Criminal as if it were a bluegrass song, which probably really made a lot of people mad. <laughs> but I thought it was insane. Like, it was insane to watch her transform that song. Um, and, but the thing that, that, one of the things that I really took, I could, I have this visual memory of being uh, in, in Virginia and us finishing a song, like, she, like, um, paper bag or something that she's done a ton and us being so thrilled that we're on stage with you and Apple playing these songs that we've been inside for, for years and uh, songs over. We put our instruments down. The audience is like, yeah, that's great. We're looking around at each other. Like, yeah, it's so fun. I can't believe them. This is great. And then I look at Fiona and she, it's like two seconds after the song's over and she's still like in it. Mm. And then she shakes it off and it's like okay she like let the ghost go or something and it was 
this incredible, the whole tour was just this incredible lesson of, of, of performing a song, uh, in a way that, that none of us had ever seen. Mm -hmm. Wow. Speaking of performing a song, you are going to delight. Oh, I thought that was going to be another commercial. I was like, where are we going? <laughs> no, speaking of performing a song, you're going to perform a song. Although, and I'm so, I can't wait to hear it. Although, we, I would like to give you an opportunity um, to do a Just Me or Everyone or a Hey Go Fuck Yourself if you have one. Oh, yeah. All right. I have both. Oh, great. Let's do both then. Tony, hit it. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. What is your just me or everyone? I walk down the street on the sidewalk and I like to give an idea of where I am. And what's around me? And then I close my eyes and try to walk as long as I can without running into things. <laughs> I love that. I have done stuff like that. It's so irresponsible. When I do it, I'm like, this is ir very irresponsible and almost dangerous. Why am I doing this? Um, it's so fun. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> I used to do it on, um, I would be like jogging on a treadmill. And I've talked at length about how I don't jog and I don't run. But whenever I'm on a treadmill, which is not, I haven't been on one in a long time, but I do try. But I used to like to, uh, and I was, was listening to like a, C, a disc man. That's how long ago this was. I like to turn my music up really loud and then close my eyes while running. And that always felt dangerous because, you know. Whoa, that's bold. Yeah. Well, I feel like what you're doing is bold too. We're we're bold. We're sisters in boldness. Yeah, we're very we're too bold broad. That's right. Tony, do you ever do this? I can't say that I've ever even considered doing that. It's not a thought that's ever entered my mind. Live a little, Tony. I know. I'm 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 impressed. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm I think I'm too much of a wuss to do that. Do you close your eyes when you're playing drums? I, I'm sh like here and there. I'm sure it happens. I don't, I'm not even positive about that. Probably because you go into, into a Fiona Apple like trance. Exactly. <laughs> they they call me the male Fiona Apple. A lot of people call me that. <laughs> I think that I have a Tony just me or everyone in here. Let me find it, um, listeners. If you would like to send in your just me or everyone's, uh, tweet them to at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, that stands for Allison Rosen's New Best Friend, and use the hashtag J-M-O-E. Um, okay, this is from Tony. There are about 700 movies I'd like to watch, but I need to not watch them alone. And I'm not a talk-through movies person, but for some reason I need another person around to focus. Anyone have this issue? I don't really. No. All right, see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> it's decided. Um, no, I actually, I think that Daniel and I both, it's a happy marriage, but we both love to like be separate in this pandemic to just catch up on things we want to watch. Yeah. And I think that's totally healthy and, and that's, that's great. And I, I don't, I wasn't always this way, but for some reason, as I've gotten older, I just, I don't know. There's been so many things that I've tried to watch in this past year, especially that I just, I'll start it and I'll think, this is the time I'm going to watch it. And I just, I just can't focus. Like, give me an example. 
uh, of what? Of something I tried to watch? Yeah, if you can remember. Um, well, not a not a movie, but uh, immediately what came to mind is uh, I still I've only seen a little bit of Shit's Creek, and like oh. you know, like everybody really started like right when that yeah. ended and won all the Emmys and everything. Um, I was like, all right, I'll finally maybe I'll finally uh, sit down and I've I've watched a little bit, but I just even that I I can't I can't stay with it for very long. It's so good. I know that I'm the nine millionth person. It took me. I had trouble getting so into good. it too. The first, I feel like the it takes a number of episodes for it to really get under your skin. Have you seen it, Sarah? I love it. Yeah. I love it. It did take me a little bit to to figure out the characters mm-hmm. and figure out how I felt about the characters. I feel like it took them time too because after yeah. getting to the end, I immediately went back to the beginning and watched again. Not the all the way through, but like it was definitely different at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's tell someone to go fuck themselves if they need to be told that. So, Gosh. Sarah, this you can, is yeah, this is the thing I'm fired up about right now. Okay, because I feel like I'm I feel like I'm doing a lot. I feel like I'm working hard. I feel like I'm hustling. I you know like my brother and I wrote this record, recorded it. It came out right at the pandemic, so we haven't been able to tour it. Then I. Recorded my solo thingy. That's coming out, but it hasn't quite yet. You know, it's like, it's still, it's still in there. I've been starting writing with like my other, other bands and like getting moving towards another record. And I was just talking to somebody and they're like, what? So what else are you doing? Like, what else? And I was just like, no, this <laughs> is enough. It's more enough than enough. The what else? Yeah. Like, and I have these conversations with people who are like, uh-huh. And what else are you into? What what's going on? Like what else are you into? What's going on? Are you are you, are you keeping busy cuz you got to got to keep busy in LA, oh right? I mean, you got to busy is good. And and I'm just like, "No. It's enough." Like, I don't know. When is when is it when are you happy with as much with when are you happy with my output? Yeah. <laughs> when are you happy with the work that I'm doing? So, to the people who are asking you what else? Hey. Hey. Hey, go fuck yourself. As an, uh, when I was a young interviewer, uh, a novice interviewer, I think that I would ask that question often of people who are talking to me to promote, you know, a movie or a show or this or that. And then I would kind of go like, oh, you know, what else are you doing? Um, But it really was just to give them a chance to mention anything. But I think it always had the effect of making it sound like that thing is not enough. So yeah, that's a, we should just that, get rid of I, that question. I I have had that question before, at other times where I'm like, oh, I've got this other thing in the works. It makes me feel good that I got something in the bank. But I think just the nature of life right now, yeah. and because I haven't been able to tour, like I, what I want to do is play these songs. That's that's the continuation. That's the finality of all the work that's happened mm-hmm. is playing the songs for people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like the process is complete until that happens. That's that's it's like a setup, 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 no punchline. Right. And um, so I just got like, three setups going, and I just need to be able to like finish one of these things before you have I have the energy to do anything else or the the inspiration. You have a tour coming up, right? Or is that yes? Yeah, so that's yes, that's happening. There are. 
there are dates for brother sister the uh, for my, the family hour album, which I'm really proud of. Like I, I love this album. It's something my brother and I worked hard on. It's 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 a really um, we wrote spent a lot of time writing and arranging these things to to work with uh, with with just the two of us, and we're really proud of these songs from this album. And so we do have some dates that haven't gotten canceled yet, and we're very excited about them, and hopefully they will actually happen. It's, I think it's not till August, right? Yeah. And well, the, yeah, and some I of these dates like will go away, happen. but they, we've got some stuff in the fall, so hopefully the August stuff might go away, but yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It'll happen. It's, the signs are, are pointing in an in encouraging direction. The, it seems like, seems like the fall is going to be a bit of a mess, and then next year is going to be a catch-up year where everybody's just doing every like do, doing the shows for anything they they put out that they're not able they weren't able to promote. And then maybe a couple years after that, we'll have a more normal rhythm and cycle. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Sarah, it was so nice having you on the show. Um, it was really great being here. Awesome. And Thank you're going to you. play a song, which I am yeah. just. So uh, uh, delighted that we are going to get to watch you play a song. I'm wondering if we should have you. No, you know what? We'll have you tell us where we'll do all the wrapping up stuff after the song. So tell us what song this is that we're about to hear. Okay. This is the only original song on the album. Uh, and I wrote it. It's called Night Singing, which I love that about your your night album. I got to find had. out the, the name of that album. I'm so curious. And also like vinyl. I was was a big inspiration for this this whole record because I I really enjoyed um the simplicity of vinyl. I since we were home, one of the projects that I did was just listen to all my old records and decide which ones I want to keep mm-hmm. and which ones I don't need to and um I really enjoyed did you have a decision fatigue or do you have it all, all like, the time? Yeah. That's and why so I can't get things, rid of stuff. One of the things that I one of the ways that I gave myself some relief was by putting on a record because I don't have to decide on the next song. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to this record. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one choice that will last me on almost an hour. Right. And, um, and so that was a big part of my experience this fall. And we, and we listened to a lot of old kids records that have the artwork, like old Winnie the Pooh records and things like that. So um, the vital was always, always a big part of my consideration for this um, Thing. I'm going to take my headphones off so I can hear myself. Okay. But I wrote this song for my friend, for my daughter. Um, and then I realized this was also a song that I needed to hear sung to me. Um, like a lot of these songs, they are, um, they serve a purpose when you're young and they can also stay with you and, and kind of keep you company as you, as you age and as you need different kinds of encouragement. So this is um, night singing. Look, I painted the sky for you. Look, I painted the moon. Listen to the night singing, each one sends a tune. So rest your eyes, lay down your Trust the earth beneath your 
Totally, I love that you needed to sing it for your daughter and to hear it. Yeah. I love that. I feel like so often, you know, we extend so much grace and pardon for kids in our lives and we don't like extend it to ourselves and to each other. And so, I mean, I really hope that the people of all ages will be able to listen to the, the, the music on these records that was recorded uh, inspired by children, but for grown-up ears, um, and and be able to receive some kind of of like comfort and you know kindness and 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 let their imagination kind of remember things that they that they find beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Well, everyone on March twenty sixth, go get under the pepper tree. Although it's available for pre order before that. But tell I'll put a link to it in the episode notes um, on my website. But tell everyone where they can get it. You can get it anywhere that you get music. Um and you could probably get it off my website, Sarahwatkins.com, but you can also um yeah, find it in all of your normal places. And um Tell everyone where uh, they can find your other stuff and anything you'd like to plug. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm just Sarah Watkins on Instagram and Twitter. And um, and that's Sarah with no H. And I'm mostly just on Instagram um, because isn't that enough? <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, um, so that that's where most of my most of my stuff comes comes out of Instagram, um, and uh, yeah, and I'll be on tour with brother sister. You guys can you can find us on Patreon um, for the Watkins Family Hour. We do shows uh, twice a month, live stream shows twice a month, and then we do um, song podcasts uh, in the other two weeks. And it's been really fun. We have guests come by, and we do it outside and uh, at my brother's house, and it's been. Um, a really great rhythm for my life to have that, that consistency. Nice. And is that patreon.com slash Watkins family hour? Let's go with that. <laughs> well, just search, <laughs> just assume it's something like that. And if it's yeah. not just search Watkins family hour and Patreon, come on, you guys. Um, and, and also while you're there, I'm on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And if you like what you're hearing, please, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Although I heard that Apple Podcasts is changing it from subscribe to follow. Have you heard this, Tony? 
I have not heard this. Yeah, because they say that subscribe is associated with things that cost money, whereas we're just giving this podcast away. So follow hmm. or subscribe, whatever it is called now. Also, please, if you like what you're hearing, leave us a nice review. Five stars is my favorite number. But if you don't like it, leave us a shitty review. Do You do you, but just keep the reviews coming, please. It helps out the show. It helps people find the show, etc. Um, also, my other podcast, my parenting-ish podcast, I feel like about half or more of our listeners do not have children you do not have children to enjoy childish um but you can if you want have children and also still enjoy childish that is my podcast i do with greg fitzsimmons um i'm on cameo and oh i forgot the thing that i spend all my time doing is curating my lists on amazon because i'm an amazon influencer if you feel influenced it's because that's my new that's who i am now i i Anyway, Amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. Amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. You can shop my podcast gear, my makeup, my beauty stuff, my home Your makeup stuff. looks great. Thank you. Find it looks all, really good. What What is this makeup that's on my face, you're wondering? Find out uh, in my Amazon shop. And I've got kids stuff that I recommend there, all this stuff that I like and use and enjoy, etc. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen. I think that's all my things. Awesome. I feel like that is. Tony, what about you? Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. Uh, my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. and uh, Such a good podcast. Thank you. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I'll also say the uh, new Justin Pierre solo EP. I played drums on that. He's the lead singer of Motion City Soundtrack. Um, that is out now wherever you get music. And uh, But hey, get, get Sarah's record. That's where it's at. You're going to love Sarah's record. I mean, Tony's is good too, but it's no, it, you it's know, no, what? it's no last, under the pepper tree. Last second, I'm I'm throwing a, uh, a hey go fuck yourself to Sarah because anytime I no, and this is out of love. This is what I mean. <laughs> I'm receiving it with love. I'm so because, excited because anytime I have gone gone to see you with be at the uh, family hour or whatever, it just. It makes me want to stop even trying to play music because I, you're that is the worst good. thing you ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you've said a lot of rotten things. <laughs> you gotta play the <laughs> you gotta play the drop. Oh yes. Oh yeah. So Sarah Watkins, I say with love. Hey, 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 go, go fuck yourself. Why did that bring me so much joy? Why does it bring me so much joy to watch someone tell someone else to go fuck themselves, but for such a nice reason? I don't you know. know. It's, a, it's a way to do it. I'm, I'm trying to not be negative, you know? And I mean it. And I, I genuinely mean it. It, it, it. Sarah, you make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you guys so much thank for having you. me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, thank you for listening. You matter. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Alice and Rosen show?